Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. We have another Sunday night, Monday morning episode coming at you. The normal Sunday night crew, we're missing one. We're going to talk about why we're missing one in a minute. But it's me, Patrick. I'm here with Luke and Derek. It is a Red Sox takeover episode tonight. Mm-hmm. We're talking all things Sox. We're talking Trevor Story. We're talking uh, the Sox of past and present. And then we're going to give you that best defensive players draft that we promised you last week. Um, Before we get into all that, though, it is a Red Sox takeover episode because there's a really exciting Yankees episode coming later this week. I don't want to give too much away yet because we're going to announce it tomorrow, Monday, Martin Luther King holiday on Twitter. So if you want to find out what the Yankee special episode of the week is hit us up on twitter at bleacher brawl we're gonna announce it tomorrow we're really excited about it but we got the red sox takeover before that i want to get everybody's first pitch see what's up with them see what's going on in their lives before i bitch about a tweet that i saw this week so luke i'll start with you what's up with you uh everything's going good everything's always good when you're the 2002 bleacher brawls fantasy football champion um every Every day is a every day is like uh, just another day in heaven, and it's even better today because we we ditched the excess baggage. John is not here today. We don't have to talk about any Yankees at all. So uh, it's a it's a very good day. And um, even though I did the one kind of bad thing about this weekend is I was reminded how old I am, which happens way more than. I care to admit uh, these days at this point in my life because Asante Samuel Jr. uh, made three interceptions last night in the first half, maybe all in the first quarter. Uh, But uh, I and I remember vividly. I remember when Asante Samuel Jr.'s father, Asante Samuel Sr., uh, I remember when he was drafted. I remember vividly him being a rookie uh, playing for the Patriots. And of course, I remember the worst dropped interception of all time that cost the Patriots a perfect season in 2007. Tough luck. Derek, what's up with you? Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence played well last night, so I was excited about that. Um, well, played well besides the first half, but the Jags won, so. Uh, the Jags are my adopted second team now because they're the closest to me. And also, I don't want to root for the Bucks because then it feels like I'm just being a bandwagon Patriots fan going to the Bucks. So I'm sticking with the Jags now. Um, Derek, it was so funny so. yesterday because Luke said in the chat, he was like, looks like your prediction has gone to the shitter. And you were like, hold up, <laughs> let him cook. <laughs> You, yeah, you I couldn't it, believe that. <laughs> I was, it, it's not like it's never happened before a comeback like that, but I was all right. That this just they the Jaguars just didn't have it today, but oof, it was the ghost of Marty Schottenheimer still haunts the San Diego Chargers. People my age will get that joke. Also, yeah, too, can I say San Diego Chargers? Yeah, the last twenty-four to nothing lead in the playoffs that we had saw was the Texans against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs came back. So now it's two straight twenty-four nothing leads in the playoffs that have been lost and led to losses. The Texans against the Chiefs a couple years ago, um, when the Texans were actually half decent, and then uh, yeah, and then there's just been a bunch of drama going on today. So in Red Sox Twitter world, so we're not gonna get into it, but yeah. Welcome to Red Sox Twitter. Speaking another of, <laughs> another reminder how old I am. Yeah, I called them the San Diego Chargers. I always do. I totally forgot they're the L.A. Chargers. That's that's what like was that three years ago they did that. It's been a while now. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of drama and Red Sox Twitter, welcome to my weekly segment of things I saw on Twitter this week that pissed me off. Okay, I started it last week, and I'm going to start it. I'm going to do it every week until um, probably the end of time uh, because there's always at least one between Sunday to Sunday. Uh, there was a tweet yesterday that went around. It got a lot of traction because Nick Pavetta responded to it. And it was from a guy named Matthew. He's on the show, not another Sox podcast. I've listened to that show a few times. The guys seem cool. Um, I, I got no nothing against those guys. Um, and his, his tweet, you know, he was joking. But there were people who weren't joking in the replies. And I think that's really what pissed me off. Right after the ARB hearings on, I think it was Friday, and he posts a picture of Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner in the town where they're walking with those bags of money outside of Fenway. Great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen the town and you're listening to a Red Sox podcast, what are you doing? Um, and saying uh, this is Brazier and Pavetta getting a combined seven mil this season, implying that they're stealing money from Fenway Park, right? And Pavetta responds with an eye-rolling emoji. And what pissed me off was the people in the comments because the people who were not joking at all saying that that's a lot of money for these guys. It is a lot of money. Five million bucks, that's a lot of money for you and me, right? It is not a lot of money for Major League Baseball starting pitcher who's going to give you 30 starts. Ryan Brazier, two million bucks. That's a lot of money. Sure, none of us like Brazier. We hope he's the first guy kicked off anytime that they sign somebody else and he never seems to be, right? However, and and uh, the folks on um, Locked On Red Sox the other day had Chad Jennings from The Athletic on, and he made a great point. And if you missed this, I'm going to re regurgitate it back to you. $2 million for Ryan Brazier. That guy would get a buttload more on the open market. And we could not sign anybody, anybody for less than 2 million bucks. You just can't, right? And so, yeah, Brazier sucks. Nobody likes Brazier, but it's a freaking steal. 7 million bucks for those guys is a steal. That's why arbitration is awesome, okay? You get to pay them way below market value, even if they're not great. I mean, Pavetta would easily make double-digit mills, I think, on the open market, easily. 5 million bucks? That's outrageous that people are complaining about that. And people are complaining about every ARB hearing amount that, that came out on Friday. Number one, it was great that we didn't have to go to arbitration with everybody. We could settle. And the numbers were fine. Those are the numbers that keep us under the luxury tax, right? That's what makes it affordable. Those numbers, only having to pay Ryan Brazier $2 bucks instead of having to go out and get some washed-up closer for $10 bucks is the exact reason why you can extend Rafi Devers. So people who complain about money like that, that's what pissed me off on Twitter this week. <laughs> uh, Pavetta, you could, I mean, if Pavetta was making like $12 million, I'd I'd be like, all right, I'd like to see a little more consistency from him. Right. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really shake my head at that in any way. Uh, and so, yeah, that's if you can if you can go five innings, 30 starts a year and get like a four point eight ERA, you can probably make like 13, 14 million dollars a year as a starting pitcher. It, exactly. I mean. That's just what that costs now. So yeah, getting him for that much. Who knows what what does he have? Is this his last year uh arbitration year? Or does he have one more after this? Two more. It might be this year or the next year. Yeah. So 
So say he goes to the market in two years. I mean, if he just improves a little bit and considering inflation and everything, he could very easily be making $18 million a year, two years from now. And it wouldn't be it's like a two year deal, 20 to 24 million. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Also too, they signed Jolie Rodriguez for one year, 2 million, but then the option on the second year is for over four million, I think. Exactly. So you're not you're not getting much with two million dollars in free agency. You're just you're like your best chance is getting a guy in like a minor league deal taking a flyer. But even like I've said, maybe you take Alex Reyes on a flyer in one of my previous columns. That's not gonna be a minor league deal. It's gonna be probably a couple million dollars. And that's you're literally taking a flyer on him. And they got James Paxton who it was was a really good pitcher for like three years uh several years ago and they got him for four million dollars a year so there's still 14 million dollars under the luxury the first luxury tax thresholds i'm still hoping to god they sign somebody yeah i think you know and many people have pointed out two million bucks if brazier just can never get back to what was roughly that 2018 even that like a six-week stretch he had in 2021 where he was really consistent then June comes along and there's a guy in AAA that's, you know, studding you out. You can cut Brazier and it's not going to kill you. You know, like um, these are the the low risk, medium reward deals that like fill out a 40 man roster and people just want to complain about everything. So I'm going to complain about them. Um, the, let's move the, on. The, the percentage, I forget what the percentage is, but it's like under 10% of players make like a ton of money. Like the vast majority of major leaguers are those fringe guys who, you know, change teams every two years uh, or are or, or jumping up and down between up and down uh, the different levels, triple a major leagues, triple a major leagues. Like, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's what journeymen make that aren't very good journeymen relievers who aren't very good. $2 million is cheap for those guys. Even <laughs> If they've just been able to hang around, if they've just been able to stay in Major League Baseball without getting kicked out of the league, essentially, then if you've been around for like five, six years, you're going to make $2 million. There are guys on minor league deals, like pitch, minor league relievers or whatever, and it's like, up oh, minor league deal. But if you get to the big leagues, you can make like 2 to $3 million. It's it's, it's not much money. That's it, it's, And I think that, that just goes over people's heads. I think that people think about like how much money that is to them, you know, like, oh, I could do that for two million bucks, you know, like, I'm sure I could too, but uh, that's not what it's about, right? The market is different in Major League Baseball. It's not that much money for guys like that. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, the big news, the big stocks news of the week is Trevor Story is out until June, uh, October, the length of his contract, more likely June. Also break. Know, People are doomsday and yeah, end, end of June, early July, all star breakish. Um, Derek, I want you to run me down, uh, run through with me the injury, the surgery, and your thoughts on it. I'll let you go first. So, it essentially he's got an elbow injury. The options, well, as of a few years ago, the option would have been you're getting Tommy John and you're out for the whole year, right? For Trevor Story, they're going with this internal brace procedure. I don't I think that's what it's called, um, or internal brace or something along the lines of that. Um, and essentially, it does a similar job to Tommy John, Tommy John, in terms of getting your arm stable enough to be able to throw and whatever. 
but there's less recovery time if everything goes right. The recovery time is four to six months, whereas Tommy John can be, you know, 12 months. And even if this is six to nine months on that spectrum, which some a couple others have said, um, six to nine is still better than 12 to 15, but depending on if stuff goes wrong. Uh, so essentially, it's a Tommy John surgery that you can come back quicker from in the simplest of terms. Um, your thoughts on story being out until the All-Star break? Uh, if he needs a surgery, take the surgery. That, that's how I feel about it. You know, you don't if you if he if he was feeling pain when he's starting to ramp up and he needs a surgery, go just take the surgery. It, 2023 is not going to be like the year where it's like, Yes, Trevor Story is going to be a big miss, but it's not like we're going into the year as title favorites at the same time. Am I hopeful for this Red Sox team? Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, and we're not entering the playoffs and it's say, hey, hold off for a month. We're, we're in January. Like, if you need this so you can be fine for the rest of your contract, go ahead. They can get replacements. There's still a couple guys in free agency. Are they going to be Trevor Story? No. But you can still bring in a couple guys who are serviceable replacements to fill in for 2023. And Story can come back. And if the team plays well and you get Story back around the deadline, man, that's a heck of a of a guy to add to your team around the trade deadline. It's it's giving me Paxton vibes where we were like, Paxton's gonna be like our trade deadline well, acquisition. Well, Chris Sale too, but Chris Sale, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be like <laughs> we traded for Paxton and sale at the deadline, man, and then um, I'm not even sure they're still alive. Has anybody heard from them recently? Uh, Luke, your thoughts on the Trevor Story stuff? That was – I just thought of that the other day too, that it's like Story's gone. So, again, it's just like with what we were thinking about Sale last year and we were thinking about Sale the year before last year. Whereas, oh, maybe he'll come back. You know, if, if Trevor Story comes back and we can just – tread water until then he could be a real big boost in the on the team that could really help shoot him off to the playoffs i'm so sick of that crap i'm so sick of like waiting for the perennially injured uh to finally heal not that story is an injury prone guy i know that's kind of the knock he's getting because he came over with a questionable elbow but look i i don't think like Derek is, I think this is a borderline catastrophe and I'm not usually a, a doom and gloom kind of guy being like everything's the end of the world, but not just for what it means for this team for this season. Uh, but I think about for what it means for um, Heim Bloom uh, moving forward and his tenure on the team. I think this injury really puts him in the crosshairs of fans, like fans, Red Sox fans all over the place. Um, uh, so I wrote about this on my column. Uh, it'll go up uh, tomorrow morning on bleacherbrawls.com called Story's Elbow Puts Bloom on the Chopping Block um, because that's what I think. Uh, St- Story's Elbow was the reason he didn't really cash in last year when Bloom signed him. He's the reason he was the last really good player to sign in free agency last offseason. And the thing that was scaring teams away from him happened and happened in the worst possible way. He was he played second base to save his arm. The, the Red Sox let Xander Bogarts go, and I'm thinking that they were kind of planning that the whole time. Now, looking back, being like, all right, they're going to let Bogarts go, and Story is going to play shortstop. Bloom and the whole Red Sox front office, they saw the medicals, and they're like, all right, 
Let's keep, let's, let's, I, I think it looks fine. Let's have him at second base for a year. When Bogarts leaves and move him over to short. And as soon as he started trying to ramp up his arm to play shortstop, this thing happened that everyone was afraid of. And from, and going into this year, it was like, we locked up Devers and we had that. We we're happy about that for like a day. And then we find out that story gets hurt. Him and Devers were supposed to be the big offensive contributors in the lineup. Um, and now story being gone opens a giant hole in the lineup. And from the point of view of Red Sox fans, story was the one guy that Bloom paid uh, before Devers, before he paid Devers, right? He had the bad year last year. There was lots of outside influences late start moving from Colorado to Boston just had a kid born right after he signed stomach flu at the beginning of the year he never got his footing and then he got hit in the hand halfway through the season so moving on he was poised to take over that shortstop role and that elbow the thing that kept teams away from him like think oh is Bloom getting this guy well I don't know about this I don't know if this is the greatest six-year deal here because of his elbow and he it proved to be right they were all right and so Bloom's replacement for Xander Bogarts is now out long term. This is all on Heim Bloom. <laughs> this is all on Heim Bloom. Uh, uh, his job may have been on the line in 2023 before the injury. Um, now I think it's certain. If a lack of offense derails this team in 2023, I think it's more likely than not that the Red Sox end up moving on from Heim Bloom. Not because they want to, not because I think they should, but I think. This, the Red Sox front office has been known to be very reactionary based on their public perception, and I think this would be the last straw. A, a really weak offense uh, because of the story being out, um, causing this team to really, you know, another fifth-place finish or a bad fourth-place finish could make them just say, all right, you know what? We can get somebody else that has similar philosophies as Bloom, but we got to get this guy out. We got to chop off the head bring in some new meat, you know, buy some new credibility um, from the fans. And I, so I think this is a huge issue for the team for this year. And I think it's a huge issue for Bloom that he may not be able to recover from. I totally hear what you're saying about all the PR stuff. And I, I agree with you there to a certain extent. However, I'm going to have to disagree with the phrase, like this is the worst way it could have possibly happened. Because for me, the worst way it could have possibly happened is like September 2025. And we just lost our second baseman when we're trying to make a playoff run. And uh, now I'm, I'm in the Derek camp on this one. 2023, I want to be competitive. Uh, we're a fringe team. I mean, maybe get that last wild card spot. Um, the, the trade market has obviously gone completely quiet. And that was something that I think a lot of us were hoping for to, to improve this team. And if it stays quiet, the, the team that we have now is the team and it's a good team. There's a lot of really positives on the team. You know, I, I, I said a couple weeks ago, it's like the all potential team of baseball. You know, I think it's the team that, that could have some really high highs. If everybody's clicking at the same time, I think you need Trevor Story for that for a certain extent. Then I think you need to play second base. I think it's it's great that he can um, have a better elbow going forward. I'd much rather him have a better elbow in 2025 than this year. And the first three months of this season, it's going to tell us what we need to know. And we're out of it. We're out of it. If we want to try and get a wild card spot, 
hear story at the trade deadline to to help us make that push. Um, he's the Chris Sale of last year, like we said. Um, I don't think it's that much of a catastrophe. Like, obviously, it sucks. It sucks to happen two days after the Rafi thing. We felt like, hey, this team's going in the right direction. And then, like you said, the the thing that we didn't want to have happen happened. Um, however, and the point that I made last week, I don't think it was a gimme that Rafi was on this team in 2023. I think Story might very well might have been the offensive producer for this team if they didn't extend Rafi because he might have been traded. And so um, still got Rafi and we'll have Story in July. So let me just sharpen up why why I think this is a catastrophe. I like Heim. I obviously listen to anything I've, any show I've been on, read any column I've written on bleacherbrows.com. I'm a big supporter of the way Bloom's doing things. And I think there's a very, very good chance of a horrible finish could mean the end of him in Boston. And that's what I think would be the catastrophe. Like, I mean, this is all his fault. This, this story thing, this story injury, he's the guy who got him. He's the guy who locked him up. This is on him. But I mean, I still think I like the way he's looking to build the team for the next decade. And I think that the Red Sox are going to cave from I mean, look at the way the fan base is right now. I mean, people, John Henry got booed like he was like he was a serial killer or something at the Winter Classic. And it's just another bad year. And your second biggest offensive piece going down for half the season, you know, the guy that we were under the impression was going to be a huge off a huge piece of this team on offense and defense. It's like, I mean, that's, that's the trumped up charge you need to get somebody on, on the guillotine. I think you're right that like, it is definitely given the bloom haters fuel for their fire. And it was, it, it's given them an opportunity to say, I told you so I told you, so I told you so, even though those people are still uh, wrong and stupid. Um, Derek uh, wrap this up here. Yeah, I think part of this too also, this has to go back to the Red Sox medical team because they've had a terrible year. This past year has been terrible. Obviously, some of the story stuff, obviously they told, they they must have gave Heim the info that they thought story was going to be fine. Um, You know, I think they, they mis- misdiagnosed, was it, I think it was Evaldi, I think it was. Or I don't remember who it was, but they I know I remember them misdiagnosed stuff. The whole like their timelines when guys can come back from injuries have been all off and all over the place. And it, it it's for you know the Red Sox supposed to have one of the better medical staffs in the league, and it it's it's been a horrid twelve last twelve plus months for them uh, on the medical side of things. It just hasn't been good, and. You know, even like even like you look at guys like Graffy and he goes on the injured list for 10 days with the hamstring and there's just never the same the rest of the year. And it's like, OK, well, why are we rushing him back? It's you know, that's not a thing where you come back and it's right away. You look at guys like Garrett Whitlock, look like Garrett Whitlock could barely walk from the bullpen to the mound at Fenway. Yet they just kept on throwing him out there. And I feel like at some point it's like, yes, there's other blame to go around. But like, let's take a look at this medical staff, too, because it has not been a good year for them they misdiagnosed story too i think after yeah, he got I hit in the hand too. he was out for like two weeks and then it was released he had a hairline they found out he had a hairline fracture the K- kike with like kike the thing was a big the one kike. kike to keep going that doctor in new york yeah it, it's it's been bad and i think that's one thing another thing they got to look at that medical staff it's like what the heck is going on like there because i, I and also too like chris sale just 
can't stay on the field. And now, yes, Chris Hill's kind of become a little injury prone. How much of that is on the medical staff? I know the the None. rib injury I... wasn't, you know. But I'm I'm just saying though, like hype, like you know, like 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 let's fit, like there's got to be some of this has None. to go back to the medical staff though. I'm not you know? sticking up for the medical team. I'm just saying, look at sales injuries. It's not, you know, well, we could have no, had Doogie he fell off his bike. And, Merlin there. Well, on that, the that's team. different. They wouldn't have that's, saved him. <laughs> that's different. But no, I, I, but I do think though, like that, that, that does have to be looked at because there, it's, and I think I forget who it was who signed with the Red Sox either a year ago or two years ago, or whatever. And they're like, yeah, like we have like a very good met. There's like a very good medical staff in Boston, and it doesn't seem like it. All right, so we gotta we gotta get to a whole fantasy draft at the end. So I'm gonna rapid fire the next two questions. You guys both have like 20 seconds. How do you replace Trevor Story very quickly, Derek? Go. Um, I mean, you bring in bring in a guy, Elvis Andrews, maybe. I don't. There there aren't many good options. Hassan Kim looks like he's gonna cost too much in the trade. Reported uh, uh, asking price of how plus three pieces and not just like a random three pieces. It doesn't seem likely like that's going to happen. So it's looking like your best shot is probably like an Elvis Andrews. Um, or maybe you find a trade elsewhere, but that seems like the most likely piece. And then other guys stepping up. Verdugo stepping up. Yoshida having a good year. Cast is having a good year. Just other guys around the lineup stepping up. Luke, rapid fire. How do you replace Trevor Story? Uh, Jerickson profile, just do it the easy way. Get a free agent. Don't have to trade anything. Don't have to, you can't give anybody up, at least not on the big league team. Uh, profile used to play second base. He played there every day in 2019. I know that was three years ago, but he can play there. Arroyo can play short, keep Kike Hernandez in center field. Cause he's got, he's going to have Yoshida and Verdugo out in left and right. So we need a center fielder who can cover as much ground as possible. Um, and, you know, as far as re- you can't replace him, you can't replace his bat in the offense. Hopefully you can replace him, um, as Billy Bean said, or at least as Brad Pitt said, you replace him in the aggregate because you've got uh, Masataki Yoshida coming over to be the leadoff hitter. Should get a lot, lot get on base a ton and uh, score a lot of runs. You got Justin Turner in there, a good contact hitter where the shift is banned, so he'll get a lot of hits and playing DH every day. Hopefully he can play all year. And Tristan Casas, um, you know, lots of walks, uh, some good pop. You know, he probably – there's a good chance he takes Story's place as the number two RBI guy on this team if he is what we're hoping uh, he will be. So you replace him in the aggregate. You know, you didn't have Yoshida, Turner, and Casas on the team all last year. So maybe having those three guys and a healthy Kike Hernandez on the team all year um, helps, you know, lengthen that lineup a little bit, make the offense better, and replaces some of Story's uh, production. That was not 20 seconds. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's fine. Mine's short anyway. I was going to explain my hot take on Twitter the other day that pissed everybody for it. I said Trey Mancini, but he's a Cub now, so it doesn't matter. So we're going to move on. So my next rapid-fire question, and this I'm going to hold you to, and I'm going to mute you if you're not. Who are, now that we don't have Xander Bogarts and we don't have uh, Trevor Story for half the year, I want to know who are your top three guys who are going to give this lineup some offense? Who are going to be your top three contributors? I want you to call it now. Luke, you're going first. Very quickly, go. 
I just gave him. Um, Masataka Yoshida, uh, the left fielder, new leadoff guy, Justin Turner, and uh, Tristan Casas. So Devers is not the top three? It's oh, I would think I was thinking we weren't factoring in Devers because he was obvious. Okay, Devers is obviously the top three. So well, then go go Devers, Yoshida, and Casas. Three left. Is your list different? Yes, uh, Devers, Verdugo, and uh, Yoshida. So no righties are contributing a damn thing on this team. <laughs> Nothing they all. won't contribute, but I think Verdugo's due for a breakout year. Bobby Dahl back. Um, no. <sighs> Uh, I I don't I still don't understand why everybody hates Verdugo so much. That guy hit like I don't fifty for the last Verdugo? two months of this season. Um, Red Sox Twitter, my favorite place to live, <laughs> my favorite place to waste time. Every trade, Trey Verdugo. Oh, you get this guy at the deadline, get Profar, have him play left. Trey Verdugo. I mean, just like blah, 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 blah. like it's just he's always everybody's first guy, and and Cantillo's going off and. Off and on and about how the team was disappointed in Verdugo and Cora gave him a talking to in the last week of the season. It's like the guy who that's played not what happened. Five they games, called him out like, publicly because they have faith in him to, and they know he can be better. Yes, that's why I hate that that people think. Oh, he called him out, and these are beat reporters. These, beat that's what reporters I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, you, like uh, the question was like, oh, who do you who do you want to see make a big jump next year? He said, oh, Alex Verdugo. Uh, because not like Alex Verdugo, he sucked. He needs to be better. No, it was Alex Verdugo because he's really good and we need him to really bring it all together. And he's a contact hitter. And I don't remember him being a guy who like hits into the shift all the time, but he is a contact hitter and he started to learn to go the other way last year. And I like to see that. Um, so maybe he's a guy that can help, uh, that you know banning the shifts might help he was the guy i I wanted him to be the leadoff hitter until they got yoshida if he can just keep going the other way i think um one of his points of his downfall can be when he opens his mouth um and he said at the beginning of the season he said like spring training last year i want to be a 30 30 guy and it was like that's never going to happen that's never ever ever going to happen um i you can be like a 15 15 guy if you want uh but you're gonna be a 30 30 guy uh, maybe you know, um, and then it was also was taken like, out of context. Over the coals. That was also yeah, he, he also said he wanted to be a relief pitcher as well as being an everyday <laughs> player. So let, let's be honest, like he'll he'll say some out there things, but like when Verdugo trades the Red Sox, I'm looking at I was looking at his 2019 stats. I'm like, you give this guy a full year, right circumstances, like he could hit 20 homers and hit 300. Like now yeah, that's what? probably his peak, maybe maybe near his peak, but I mean I could see it. I think he's a career what 280 hitter. And I think what is his most home runs, like 15 home runs. So he wouldn't have to get that much better for that. And yeah, I forgot about the pitcher stuff. Yeah. He says stupid stuff like that. And he does stupid things in the field. He's a dumb, <laughs> dumb fielder. Um, <laughs> and he's kind of a dumb player. He can hit though. Like he got that, you know, caught stealing in the ALCS that kind of ended their he season. Has a, he there has without, his Cause moments. he didn't lead. <laughs> he has his many moments. And <laughs> But that was another case of the media taking things out of context. When he said he wanted to be a 30, 30 guy, he meant he just wants to check out ESPN's 30 for 30 series. That was all <laughs> I, think, I think 30 wants to watch every episode. Yes. <laughs> that that one about the, the, the brawl at the palace with the Pistons and the fans. I got to see this. That's the what he meant. Malice at the palace. That's a good one. Malice That's at the palace. That's yeah. It's probably my all favorite right. one. Um, Let's move on. I want to talk... Uh, because we've had some stuff on our website, on our Twitter, 
um, kind of pop off recently, and we're going to ride that wave, okay? So John's been writing a series of Forgotten Yankees. He just put his latest one out on Friday. He's done two now, um, and Barnes had a tweet, uh, who's your favorite Forgotten Yankee? And people love talking about the guys who they liked for like five minutes because that was the amount of time that they were on the team for, but they really got attached to them for whatever reason. They liked their spirit. They liked their hustle. They liked their play, um, but they just didn't stick around too much. And so I want to do some forgotten players with these guys. It can be Red Sox. doesn't have to be Red Sox. Who's one guy that you really liked who nobody remembers anymore. And who's one guy that you hated nobody remembers anymore and you're still holding on to a grudge that nobody else on the planet cares about uh luke i'll go to you first who are your most uh liked and most disliked forgotten players um well yeah i know you guys aren't gonna remember these guys because i'm well Derek wasn't born yet he was i mean it was this was these guys both played long before Derek was born and i think they both played during uh pat's turn in the peace corps after he graduated college um, so he wasn't really watching much. He was abroad, uh, where there was no televisions. So the first one, the one I liked, uh, that nobody remembers is Phil Plantier. And yeah, if you're 40 years old, you might remember, and, and a big Red Sox fan, you might remember, remember him. He came up, he was kind of going to be Mike Greenwell's replacement after Mike Greenwell went over to Japan. My first favorite player He was a lefty. He had that squat kind of stance. Like he was taking a dump kind of like Matt Noakes, uh, who played on the Yankees and the Tigers. Um, and he just, he is something about his stance. I think he just looked like he was going to hit a home run. One of those guys, it looked like he was going to hit a home run every time he was up. And he had a couple big hits and his uh, September call-up year was it was probably like 92, 93. His career in Boston never became anything. He was traded away and I think had two good years in San Diego. Um, but his career just kind of fizzled out. He probably got on roids like everybody else in the league then and had two good years. Um, but uh, and the So Phil Plantier, the one I liked, and the one I disliked, Greg Harris. So Greg Harris was a Red Sox reliever. I think the first year he was here was in 1990. So the thing about Greg Harris was he had a glove with an extra digit on it. It was a, it was a glove with the thumb and then five finger holes. Why, why do you ask? Because he was an ambi, ambidextrous pitcher. And we had always heard every time he came into the game, Jerry Remy would talk about how, you know, this guy can throw with both arms and he has this two handed glove. Uh, and I don't know why he wouldn't have a lefty glove and a righty glove, but I mean, he had a two handed glove so he could just, so I think the idea was that he, at least what they were trying to sell us on is that one of these days, Greg Harris may come out here He'll throw right-handed to right-handed hitters and throw left-handed to left-handed hitters. They talked about it every time. Every time he played on ESPN, uh, uh, John Miller and Joe Morgan wouldn't shut up about it. I'm like, we're going to see this one of these days. Never saw it. The guy was in the league forever. He was always just a no-name journeyman reliever. He sucked, and we never saw him throw left-handed. It was just a build-up, 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 build-up to nothing. So that was really why I disliked him. He had a he had a a freakish talent, supposedly could pitch at the major league level, right-handed and left-handed, but I think it was just a bunch of bullshit. And it was just a real bummer. We never got to see it. 
I'm sorry. It sounds I'll like hit. Pat Vendetti if he didn't throw up. Yeah, Pat's been laughing the whole time. <laughs> I've been talking about it's Greg thing I've been on mute. I'm so I've never heard this guy before. So he <laughs> <laughs> he never did it. He never once took the glove off and put it on his other hand. I didn't even see him do it like in a rain delay as a goof or during warm-ups or anything. It's I never lot. saw that glove go on his right hand. And I was just waiting for it. And he might have had one year in Boston where he was okay. One year he was a starter. He came in as a reliever, then was a starter the next year, and then was a reliever again, and then he was gone. And I think it took two years after he was gone for me to remember, oh, hey, where's Greg Harris? Did He, he never pitched left-handed, did he? What the hell happened with that? Like, why wouldn't a team just pick him up just to say, do that? Like, the, de- the Devil Rays, when they were an expansion team, like, hey, we need to get asses in the seats. Let's get let's bring Greg Harris in. He'll, he'll pitch right-handed to to you know to mark mcguire and then i'll pitch left-handed to harold baines and everyone will get a kick out of it but it It never says it says on his baseball reference page harris alternated arms during one game he did (laughs) does it say what year one game no that's all that it says Uh. and it's so funny because he he played 287 career games in Boston. So i like the idea that (laughs) 287 (laughs) times you were like this is it and they were not contenders in those years i think 1990 was when they went to the um to the playoffs but i mean they were never contenders they you could you could throw away a game put him in a blowout in a blowout put him out there and have him throw left-handed you know that's the problem so that's that's the salt that's how you solve the problem of starters not going deep into games yes 100 pitches one arm 100 pitches the other arm (laughs) that's the problem with starters not going deep into games (laughs) you can't throw us both arms everyone's afraid to talk about it you heard it here on bleacher bros okay wikipedia solved this for me okay it says though he spent his career as a right-handed pitcher harris threw left-handed to two batters in a 1995 game the penultimate game of his career becoming the first switch pitcher to pitch in a major league game (laughs) Oh All right. Well, I don't know who he was with by then, but at least somebody let him do it. Like kind of like his gold watch. Montreal. As he, okay, in Montreal where nobody was there anyway. <laughs> like his, his little gold watch. Hey, Greg, you can go pitch left-handed. He's Probably like, guys, I, I promise I can do it. I promise. Somebody let me do it. <laughs> Probably <laughs> walk you guys. I wish like, I, All right, just do it. <laughs> If I knew that, I would have checked his game log from that game before we recorded just to say how I'm that I'm on it out. while Derek is talking. Derek, <laughs> you give me your, your most liked and your most disliked forgotten player. Um, My most liked, I'm going to go with Ryan Sweeney. Um, anyone remember him playing with the Red Sox in 2012? Um, played with Oakland and the Chicago White Sox before that. I thought he only played like 30 games with the White Sox. I ended up going to the Cubs after that. Um, with Oakland, he was a 286 hitter in four years with Oakland. He's always a solid guy. Go back to, you know, back when we talked about some of our favorite players from our childhood a couple of weeks ago and talk about MLB 2K games. He was my guy. I always traded for him. But he, was, he was the perfect number two hitter behind Ellsbury. It went Ellsbury, Ryan Sweeney, Pedroia, Ortiz. That was my lineup. Just who cares about the lefties? They're they're all going to – I get three guys, one, two, three, are all going to hit 300. That, 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 that was my team. And then I have Shane Victorino in the five spot after Ortiz. That what was position? Lineup. What position did Sweeney play? I don't remember. Outfield. Outfielder. <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah. So he he was my guy, and when he came with the Red Sox, I was excited. Then he only played sixty three games. He hit two sixty, nothing great, you know. But it was cool because I liked the guy before he came to the Red Sox, and then 
Uh, almost similar to Grady Sizemore in a sense. Came to the Red Sox. I already liked them. Didn't pan out, but would have been cool. Um, my most hated player, we're also going to talk about some MLB 2K games. Tyler Flowers played for the White Sox and the Braves. I hate Tyler Flowers with a passion. I was throwing a no-hitter when I was like 10. And I'm in the eighth of inning. Of course you were. I'm, I'm in the eighth inning. And Tyler Flowers hits a two ball outs, off of you. Two outs. Two strikes. Perfectly located pitch outside part of the plate. Tyler Fun Flowers. Singlet. Tyler Flowers. No. Whack 440. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, and I and now at that time I'd never thrown an MLB. Uh, I never thrown a no hitter in MLB 2K. I was ready. It was the eighth inning. I'm getting ready to celebrate. And then Tyler Flowers ruins my dreams. And I think Tyler Flowers and MLB 2K games probably hit in like, I don't know, 30 plate appearances, probably hit like 900 with 15 homers. He always homered against me. I don't know why. Whenever whenever I played the White Sox, he always homered against me. There was a game I remember vividly. He went three for three with three homers and six RBIs. <laughs> he should have pitched around him. Yeah, well, I didn't it. get that when I was what ten. They're not or... letting you. They're not letting you throw a no hitter. I think you need a cheat code. Cheat code to the. I remember when MVP baseball before MLB the show took that over. There was a the first no hitter of the year got like a million dollars or something. Whoever threw the first no hitter in franchise mode won like a million dollars. They did that for a couple of years, I think. I I never got past like the fifth inning on any video game with a no hitter, ever. Okay, so back to the Greg Harris thing. Um, <laughs> we, all we needed was Wikipedia. <laughs> he pitches to Hal Morris, who he walks, and then he gets Ed Tabensey. Tabensey. I don't know, Luke, if you remember Ed Tabensey. He gets Tabensey to Hal ground Morris, out, definitely. And then he went back to his right hand, and he got Brad Boone out. His glove is now in Cooperstown. Oh, for God's sake. It was the only one, too. He probably didn't bother to have a second one made. What What did Tobinsy do? Well, he got him out. What did he do? Uh, He grounded out. Grounded out? Okay, so he didn't record. He, he walked the first guy he ever pitched to left-handed, but then he got a ground out. That's not bad. And then he switched back over. That and then was he it. switched back over. Coward. <laughs> Okay. Like, um, what was he? He was he 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 must have known his career was ending anyway. It's, I'm going out left hand. I think so. He was like, guys, you gotta let me do it one time, <laughs> like for real, just the one. So, like, no, I'm not switching back for the righties. Who cares? We're, <laughs> we're the career games. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I'm gonna do mine real quick. Um. My most liked, I went non Red Sox because growing up in Virginia, I had um Orioles games and I had Nationals games, and for whatever reason. Wilson Ramos, catcher for the Nationals, he was my guy. I loved him. I, I have no idea why. I could not tell you why. That's how forgotten he is to me. He is most notable, though, for, like, getting kidnapped, like, 10 years ago. Does anybody remember that? No. <laughs> All right, I'll go back to Wikipedia. He's like, we got kidnapped. It was, like, a whole thing. He's fine. Um, and then uh, the guy that I hated that um, I thought most people forgot until – uh, his a very similar name has been popping up on Twitter and people just assume that they were related was Joanna Cespedes because that guy was the man for like a long time in Oakland, like super impressive, bullet of an arm, like 
uh, could hit bombs. I mean, he was like super fun to watch. And then he got traded. If anybody remembers, he came over in the John Lester trade. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Lester's leaving, but at least we're getting the super fun Cespedes. Like, you know, it was like a, a, a old and new thing, you know, like, all right, Lester's awesome. Obviously, we all love him, but at least we're getting like the guy of the future. And then for two months, he hit like 210 and he hit like five home runs. And then we traded him in the offseason. And I was bitter for years. I was bitter for years because like he was supposed to be the guy that was like worth getting rid of Lester for. And he just wasn't. We got Porcello from him. He was, well, yeah, yeah we flipped him for Porcello. It worked out, but it was like, you know, um, he was supposed to be what he was in Oakland for us. And really exciting and really fun to watch. And he just wasn't. Also, too, not related to Yoel and Cespedes for the Red Sox. Just <laughs> right. So his name's been coming up a lot because people just assume that they're related and they're not. Yeah. I, I texted Derek earlier. I was like, Derek, please confirm. That they're related. Yeah, he's not going to bring him up on the show tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's not related. However, Yolki Cespedes, who the White Sox signed a couple years ago, is Yoannis's half brother. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Cespedes until that guy that Yolis Cespedes came out like what is this the, the, the guy that the socks used to have and i remember that lester trade i remember we knew lester was going because they couldn't come to an agreement they lowballed him big time and then it was like all right you got to get something for him please get something good and they get cespedes for him I was like yes yes here is a is a freaking beast to put in the middle of the lineup and yeah it was he was there for two months and then gone also oakland traded cespedes for a half season of lester yeah, they well, they, he was gonna make. He, I think he he was coming up on the end of his rookie deal, right? Or yeah, he was well, about... yeah, well, he they well, Oakland was getting Lester because oh, he can pitch in game one of our postseason series, and yeah. then they went to the wild card game and they lost. He was, I think, I saw a documentary about that actually. Like he was going to Vegas a lot. He was dancing like in the clubhouse after his team lost, and Billy Bean like. Bashed in the door, took a baseball bat and smashed the radio <laughs> that was playing Jeremy, music. He Jeremy was he was playing too. He was like, it was a thirty fun? for thirty, I think, right? Yeah, that yes. sounds like eh. what's that movie that I always watch like once every month because I don't have any other movies to watch. <laughs> it was, uh, I remember that now. It was a good documentary. Uh, yeah. So also quickly too, before we move on, uh, Wilson Ramos uh, kidnapped on November eleventh, two thousand and eleven, and um, he was um, uh, in captivity for fifty hours. He uh, was saved, or however you want to put it, after the police exchanged gunfire with the kidnappers. And when he got back or out, or however you want to put it, he said, I'm very thankful, and I feel like I've been born again. And I got to say, I was concerned. For those 50 hours, I was like shitting my pants because I loved Wilson Ramos. <laughs> what country was this? What is that? This was Venezuela. Venezuela? Oh, God, get tomorrow. I went to college. <laughs> I'm going to ask Alvaro about it. <laughs> I I went to college with a kid who went to Brazil, who lived, who's from Brazil, and his family had money. His father got kidnapped once. It's just like if you got money, it's just something you got to worry about. There, they'll they'll kidnap you, bring you to ATM machines, different ATM machines, have you withdraw the maximum, and then hopefully they'll let you go. That's, that's why all Brazilian MMA fighters move to the U.S. That's racist. No, it's not. It's a legit fact. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a legit fact. No, um, I do want to bring up a Yankees guy because I have one a Yankees guy I do want to bring up um, because we don't have any Yankees guys here tonight. So the Yankees guy who I liked, very uh, kind of forgotten, I guess, Ronald Torres. Play, played in field, middle infield. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds so random. I think Yankees fans will remember, will remember him. Um, yeah, I honestly, I don't know why I liked him. I, I mean, I started really, I really started to like him after he, after he left the Yankees. So you know, also to an MLB the Show kind of guy when you make your team all seventy five overalls and under, and he hits like two eighty for whatever random reason. Derek's looking for a sponsorship from MLB the Show. The, to see how many times he can plug them in the course no, of it's, any it's show. It's MLB Two K, which they don't even make anymore. They haven't made. <laughs> no, like they don't. They don't make it anymore. <laughs> no, they haven't made it since like twenty thirteen. They're gonna bring oh, it back, and Derek's gonna yes. be like on the cover. It's the Please. show now. That um, I remember him because I couldn't. I kept confusing Torres with Glaber Torres in that rookie year, where Torres was a beast, but I still couldn't remember if he was Torres or Torres. Glaber Torres, very forgettable. Not in his rookie year. <laughs> All right. So once again, we're running long, but we're not going to cut the draft tonight. We're going to do it. We've promised you yes. to you for two weeks. So we have the all defensive draft. We're going to do all nine positions on the field and then one backup catcher, one backup infielder and one backup outfielder. So 12 picks total. Okay. We got our nine guys and we got a bench. Each guy's going to get four picks. I'm going to randomize the order in a second. And I am traveling five hours away from home and I left my notes at home. So I'm going to wing it. All right. Here's the order. One, two, three, boom. And I got the number one overall pick. <laughs> Great. I remember my number one pick and, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of, we'll snake it. So it's myself, Derek, then Luke, Luke will go again for round two and we'll do that um, four times. Okay. I'm going to try and wing it while hosting, while also keeping track of this in the chat. My number one overall pick, he's won like 10, Derek's going to correct me, I might be like 11 gold gloves in a row. He's the best third baseman I've ever seen, and I think the best that many of us will ever see, Nolan Arenado. One of the things I forgot to mention is that we're going to do guys that we've seen in our lifetime, um, guys that we've seen play. Um, it would be no fun to just be like Willie May is the best center fielder of all time. Like we all know that these are like this is eye test guys. Um, Arenado's a, a stud. I mean, I he it's it's unbelievable. Like I feel like um, there's like third basemen who play really good defense, and he's just like in a, a whole league above them. I feel like he's playing a different baseball game, and um, I, I, it's I, I don't know how to say like he just never messes up and he makes really great plays. But like that's exactly what he does. He's a stud, and there's a reason why um, he's going to win every Gold Glove for the next five years after having already won the past ten. I think yeah. in like ten years, whenever when all's said and done with these two players' careers, we'll look back. There's a very good chance we'll look back and say that the two greatest two-way third basemen to ever play the game played at the same time, had parallel careers, uh, uh, Arenado and Machado. You know, nothing against Mike Schmidt, but I think both of those guys are better than Mike Schmidt was, too. Although Machado's Machado, also has a, fallen off a little bit, though. He was also a terrible shortstop, and I think that that's a real, real ding there. No, it's not. He's going to be a Hall of Famer anyways. Um, but Arenado terrible actually... Shortstop. 10 straight gold gloves has never not won a gold glove. Also, six platinum gloves. Six platinum gloves. Wow. Yeah. Six. I think he's one. I think it's been the last six years. I don't know how long they've been doing the platinum glove, but Derek, you got the number two pick. Who's it gonna be? Yep. Uh I'm going a little bit meme here. A little bit of the meme option, but he did win eight gold gloves. Um, I'm going in left field. I'm taking Barry Bonds. A little meme. 
Don't get me wrong. When yeah, this goal supposed loves, to be the defensive team. We're supposed to win 30 games. Okay. Won- and they were all one zero <laughs> victories. <laughs> yeah. Bonds is going to hit that home run to make it one nothing. I think this is proof. This is the biggest proof ever that gold gloves are a largely based on offense and popularity. Cause I don't think he was a bad left fielder when he was with the pirates. I mean, he gave up on everything when he went to the giants. Anyway, he stopped doing everything but hitting. Um, but um, it, I just like, I know he won eight gold gloves, but it's like, I mean, really? I watched this guy play. I never saw anything special from him. Sid Bream, Sid Bream scoring from, second base in the 1991 NLCS. If you're my age, you know what I'm talking about. Like, that was just ridiculous. And that's why Luke's right fielder is Jose Canseco. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Who's your third pick? Luke, you got the third pick. Who's it going to be? Hey, you are. That was very prophetic of you, uh, Pat, because I am going right field, not with Jose Canseco. He was my second choice. But this guy Maybe he doesn't deserve the number three spot on this team, but I'm picking it so no one else could take the right field spot because I want it for him. It's a bit of a homer pick, but he's one of the greatest right fielders of all time. Dwight Evans, the first right fielder that I ever got to watch regularly. I believe he had eight gold gloves himself. Hose for an arm. Um, has I mean, he didn't he didn't really have many spectacular plays. He long stride, like long limbs, long stride, long reach. He made a lot of really good plays look pretty easy. And he has a signature play, a home run uh, robbing catch in the 1975 World Series uh, game six. I think it was the legendary game six. Um, doubled up the guy by throwing throwing um, out the runner on first. Um, I think he robbed Joe Morgan on that, but I don't know. Dwight Evans, a great right fielder. It is a bit of a homer pick. You probably could go with others there, but just loved watching Dwight Evans play right field. We're back running you round two. We got the snake pick. Who's it going to be? Um, it's, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to close out the outfield and pick the center fielder that we all think should be there, which was Ken Griffey Jr. Um, the guy who popularized spectacular plays. He was maybe the best at making amazing plays out of any great hitter that I ever saw. Like he was no more for his hitting, but he was just a human highlight reel out there. May seem like he made amazing plays, amazing throws every <clears throat> every night out there. Um, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was just he'd hit a home run in Fenway Park against the Red Sox, and people would just do that. We're not worthy bow towards him. Everybody loved Ken, watching Ken Griffey Jr. play. Derek, you're on two pick. Outfield's filled. Who's it gonna be? Uh, I wanted to pick Griffey, but that's fine. Um, Luke took him for me, but it's fine. Um, I'm going to go shortstop here because I want to get this guy locked in. Uh, in 2017, this guy had 41 defensive runs saved. You can dislike defensive metrics you know, however much you want to dislike them, but that's absolutely outrageous. Uh, and in his prime, he might have been the best defensive shortstop. Probably was the deep. No, I didn't say probably was. He was the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Um, I'm going Angelton Simmons. Oh, I, I I hear you. I hear you. And I agree. <clears throat> um, But 
I'm like so worried he's going to be our shortstop next year, and like I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> no, he won't. He his defense isn't that elite anymore. No, I know, but right. I I I I feel like I jinxed it. I wrote about this in a <laughs> column, my dear delusional Red Sox column. I was like, we're not getting any premier shortstop. We're getting rid of Xander Bogarts, and we're going to get Andrelton Simmons. I promise you. And now it's getting to the point where it's like that might happen. If he can give us 41 defensive runs saved, I'll take it. <laughs> That'll probably That's happen. So outrageous. That very likely could happen. But the best shortstop you've seen in your life? I feel like he, I feel like he was so good for like that like that span. But also, like his good years defensively were like so much better than anyone else. This is the for like, the first time in the show. I'm sad that John isn't here because either I, me or him I, would have named the person who should be the shortstop here. But neither of you were old enough. Well, I needed. I, I I wanted to take a guy that no one else was going to think of too. So I'm surprised it go. took to a round two for both center field and shortstop. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna finish off round two. I'm gonna with my with my back to back picks. I'm gonna finish off the outfield. Okay. We didn't necessarily say they had to be the best defender of all time. Okay, it's more about I like the way at least for me the way I'm picking. I like the way this guy played defense. And for second base, I'm going Dustin Pedroia because was he the best second baseman uh, of his time? Best second baseman I've ever seen? Probably not, right? But what everybody loved about Petey, and I had to do my homer pick just like Luke, is that every single game he got his jersey dirty. He got his uniform dirty, right? That guy laid out. He was the definition of a Red Sox dirt dog, and he was going to play hard every single day. And like – Growing up with Dustin Pedroia as my second baseman, like, makes me think that's how second baseman should play, right? You got the cool, fancy guy at shortstop. You got the Andrelton Simmons who who has the better range and can do the crazy stuff. And then you got the second baseman who can't be the shortstop for whatever reason, but is really just going to go balls out all the time. That's how I feel about Trevor's story now to a certain degree. And and that's why I'm going PD, uh, my homer pick, for our second baseman. And then... I'm going to go the exact opposite of a homer pick for the first baseman, okay? Because first base is boring. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna, you can win the gold glove at first base, but, you know, what did you do? You do what you're supposed to do, and and you didn't mess up. And, and you know, people love crazy defense because they love the, the web gems, and they love uh, all that kind of stuff. And first base doesn't get that. Some cool picks here and there, maybe a good stretch. But at the end of the day, like David Ortiz played first base in the World Series. Like it's, it's, you know, whatever. So I'm not picking David Ortiz. Look, don't worry. <laughs> okay. I was I'm going, I'm going with the Yankees on this one. And I'm going Nick Swisher because Barnes reminded me of him the other day. Okay. When he was saying, um, who are your forgotten Yankees? Somebody mentioned Swisher and I was like, he's not forgotten. I think he played there for a long time. People really liked him. But for me, he was the man. I hate the fact that Swisher plays on the Yankees because I really like this guy. I always liked him, and I'm picking him because he can play first base, but he also has defensive versatility. He could play in the outfield. Dude played center field way more than he should have. Was like the Aaron Judge of the time, and he can hit anywhere in the lineup. I like Nick Swisher. Who cares who plays first base? It could be David Ortiz for all I care. So I'm going Swisher, and I'm getting the versatility. Oof. Derek. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm upset because I want to take Christian Walker for first base. That, he was he was a That's stud last who year. Who cares? Who cares? Seventeen defensive runs saved at first base. Who I think the next close is like who six. Cares? Oh I care. God. I care. Okay. Um, anyway, 
However, um, that's off the board. So I'm going to go for the pitcher spot. All right. Um, there's a guy who won 18 gold gloves to pitcher spot. However, I'm not going to go for him. I'm going for a little bit of a cheat code. Defensive versatility. Give me Shohei Otani. I can stick him in the outfield if we need to. Um, so defensive versatility there. And let's be honest, if he really wanted to be play defense as a pitcher, he could probably do it better than literally everyone else. I like, I just assumed whoever was going to take the pitcher is going to take Zach Greinke because he's like the only pitcher known for having good defense. Max Fried's won three gold gloves in a row. Oh, true. Well, and Greg Maddox is the guy who won 18. So I wasn't alive, Luke. I wasn't alive. <laughs> and it was during your lifetime. This is a travesty, this first base and pitcher here. Okay, you can <laughs> and see. And the shortstop. <laughs> you oh, and the not. shortstop. Wait, you're going to call out left field too? <laughs> <laughs> Luke, you get yes, the next pick. End I round did. three, who's it going to be? Um, I'm going to go with, yeah, the, the, catcher, the catcher spot really shouldn't have waited this long to go, but it has. Um, so I've got to take the obvious one. Ivan uh, Rodriguez. Huh? That, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. If I, Ivan Rodriguez, um, who is as better at throwing out base runners than anybody I, I ever saw, uh, somehow managed to to be the best defensive catcher in the league for like 35 years, it seemed like, and was a really good, uh, really solid offensive contributor, batted second uh, for a lot of his career, I think, in Texas. Uh, just you know, phenomenal catcher. So we got to go with uh, Pudge for the catch, starting catcher spot. And then we got one last round. We have one more infielder, any position, maybe some versatility, one last outfielder, same thing, and a backup catcher. Uh, Luke, you got the the first pick of the last round. Who's it going to be? All right. So, um, yeah, my own kind of a – well, not a cheat code, but – uh, probably the best utility player I ever saw. Um, you guys never saw him. Uh, his name was Tony Phillips. He played on those really good A's teams with uh, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire that won a World Series. He played left field mostly, but he played literally every position except catcher. Um, he, I don't even, I don't think he even caught or pitched like for a gimmick just to say he did it at any point, but he, he played everywhere. He was a leadoff hitter for the A's uh, for a while. Uh, he was a leadoff hitter. Most of his career, really good contact hitter, switch hitter, uh, just always, you know, always played hard. He was a really good under the radar player there. So with him, you got the, ba- I, I, I'm using him for the backup infield spot, but he's really a backup outfielder outfielder as well he could you know he could play anything but i can see it upset derek that i made him the backup infielder so i'm keeping him as the backup infielder specifically the infielder. i should have known. i thought you're like oh he's gonna switch it over you're like no, no i'm not doing stuck that. With that you no, gave me that's very bonds so. that's what you could get for andrelton simmons and show i was gonna Otani. i was gonna take key brian hayes oh my god all right well you, it, what is your pick gonna be you got you got the um i know you're gonna pick the outfielder so who is it uh, give me Ichiro, just one of my one of my favorite players ever. I mean, stick. I mean, my outfield. I have written down my outfield is Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., and Ichiro. So, all three of my guys ended up. I didn't. I, only, I picked two of them, not three. I did consider Andy Chavez just for that one catch he had with the Mets, and I think 06 in the playoffs. But I had to go with Ichiro. 
That was who I had when Luke was like, I'm choosing the obvious choice for right field. I was typing it into the chat. I like I had each row type. And then you said Evans, and I was like, oh, my bad. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, thought you were I didn't say, say the too. obvious choice. I, I said this isn't the obvious choice, I think. Oh, did you? I guess maybe I missed her. I was definitely bad. going off the radar. I thought the obvious choice would have been like Roberto Clemente. So that's why I, I was just like, oh, well, he's going to take each row. I couldn't. Pat could choose Clemente. I couldn't. <laughs> Joey could yeah. take Clemente. Tris Speaker. Um, you know how many unassisted double plays that guy had in center field? Uh, no. All right. Backup catcher defense. What is the most important thing a defense can do? Okay. Stop the other team from scoring runs. Who is the person, the number one person whose job is to do that? The pitcher. Okay. Who Shut is ahead. a catcher who's really great with pitchers? And I'm sorry if you hear my dog in the background. Who's a catcher who's really great with pitchers and can turn a pitching staff around? We need a rookie on this team. We need an Oriole on this team. It's Adley Rutschman. Okay. Adley One year Hugs. into what? his career. I thought you were going for Yadi or Molina. No, why would I do that? Adley <laughs> hugs after every inning. Okay. Pump the pitchers up, turn these guys around, make them one of the best bullpens in the league. And he's going to take over for Pudge because he's too old. One year, one year into wow. his career. <laughs> to be fair, he was good defensively. He's he the backup catcher on the best all the all defense team. If you're going for a catcher now, though, the clear answer would have been Jose Trevino. That would have been a clear answer. He was Mazda. I didn't want to say I do want to bring up Key Brian Hayes for half a second, though. Defensive metrics wise, he's like right there with Arenado the last two years. Like if it wasn't for Arenado's reputation, you can make a legit argument for Key Brian Hayes winning a gold glove at third. But your days. backup infielder plays one position. He can he can back up the third. Nice. What happens playing. when Simmons when Simmons goes down with Key Brian Hayes has played five, five innings at shortstop. Hitting. Hmm. He's played five innings at shortstop. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, when Pedroia's balky knee starts acting up, who's gonna go into second base? Could Brian Hayes or Arenado is gonna go to second base because Hay- so Hayes can play the one position he knows how to play. <laughs> I had Veritek oh my as my backup catcher. I caught four no hitters, handled the pitching staff great. I actually uh, thought true. that's same, where you were same concept, going with same. that. Yeah, I would have gone with Andres Jimenez at second base. Just... But Pat, but Pat decided to go with a more accomplished player <laughs> as the backup catcher. I had to get an Oriole on this team. I had to get an Oriole on this team. Okay. Um, honorable mention for me. I I'm I'm gonna get him in there. Roberto Alam, Roberto Alomar at second base. Ozzy Smith, who the only person who should be at shortstop on this team, and I was hoping I could have chose. Well, oh yeah, Derek went Bonds before I could, but I wanted to get Bo Jackson in left field for the um because left field's easy enough to play. So get the guy with the cannon for an arm. It's like the fastest player to ever play in Major League Baseball that can run up walls and do crazy stuff like that. I'm surprised no one took Andrew Jones. That was the guy I had as my fourth outfielder. I thought about it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about it too, but I think Rippies. he was my backup outfielder on my like original list. Yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for me going Bonds as like a meme pick, I would have taken, I probably would have taken Andrew Jones one as my first pick. Yeah, Griffey is the only real answer there, in my opinion. I like how this team's going to be like, like I don't want to say bad because you know they have Joe Otani <laughs> and they have Ken Griffey, but it's like who who constructed this team? Like how did this team? Hey, to, to be fair, we have a pitcher who can hit, and in old-time baseball, that counted for something. So we got Pedroia leading off. We got uh, oh, Pedro Rodriguez batting second. We got Barry Bonds batting third. 
Griffey batting fourth, or you could switch them. Arenado fifth. Uh, Dwight Evans sixth. Oh, uh, yeah. Otani doesn't bat on this. Yes, he does. We don't have a DH. A DH. We don't have a we DH. Don't have a DH. And he technically is the DH when he pitches now. So we're counting him. And you got you got Simmons and Swisher at the bottom of the order. <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> Whatever. This was. I'm glad we all came into this with I'm our waited a week for this. Different <laughs> ideas. You're lucky I didn't just try and like sneak in like a Tony Kemp pick. We've been hyping this up forever just for me to say <laughs> Nick Swisher is our first piece. <laughs> I'm gonna when we tweet this out tomorrow morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet it out in the batting order that I think up. So I'm okay. gonna put it out there. I'm like, this is our all defensive team. How many wins do you think we will get? It's the definition of an 81 and 81 team. Okay. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on anything? We do a first pitch, you know, give me your, your one left-handed pitch of your career before we wrap <laughs> it up. Anything you want to say before we call it a show? Um, I didn't get to say it at all during this show. So I do want to get it in really quick at the end here. Screw you, Joey. <laughs> I was waiting for a whole thing. Um, I don't have anything. Derek, do you have anything? Um, yes, the Red Sox need to bring back Aaron Bates as the hitting coach. Uh, check us out uh, at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter, and you can create your own lineup out of our all-defensive team uh, in a response to Luke. Um, tell us about your favorite forgotten Red Sox. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan, if you listen to this entire episode, that's crazy. Why would you do that? But thanks for sticking along with us. And uh, tell us some of your favorite forgotten Yankees. I know Barnes has been collecting them. John's been writing about it. It's been really fun. He's been doing that over at bleacherbrawls.com. We put out things three days a week, Sox columns, Yankees columns, um, anything in between. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Derek's running the YouTube. He's got some great stuff going on over there. We have a uh, big season coming up for both these teams for different reasons. We're going to expand our content, expand our reach. Everything that we do right now is just the tip of the iceberg in 2023. And we're all really excited about it. The main place to find us at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback, follow us, turn notifications on all those things that you do um, for Luke, for Derek. My name is Patrick. Thanks for listening. Go Jaguars. And has won 11 gold gloves at first base, and Nick Swisher is the first baseman. <laughs>